the Baptists win. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Baylor brought to you by LinkedIn. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. I'm your host, Cam Stewart. We're bringing you nothing but Baylor Athletics content five days a week. We're the only place doing that that isn't employed by Baylor University. So we're proud of that. Bears coming off an 81-72 win against the BYU Cougars. The first kind of first ranked win of the season. First time Baylor has beaten a team that was ranked when they beat them. How about that? Because Auburn's well within the rankings now, and I have a feeling Seton Hall is going to be in the rankings again. Uh, this week, they were receiving votes uh, coming into yesterday, beginning of the week's poll. And it was a crazy night in college basketball, which kind of makes me appreciate this Baylor win more. Number one and number two go down, including the previously undefeated Houston Cougars of the Big 12 down, out against Iowa State at Hilton. Iowa State's a dangerous team, which does not bode well for us. We lost them three times last year. Uh, Otzelberger, eh, Scott Drew's number a little bit, a little bit. Those are two scary teams. And one team that I think is going to hang around in this conference, maybe not going to be in the rankings all year long, is BYU, the team that Baylor got the win over last night. And there was times, were times during the game where I was a little negative Nancy again, where I was like, boy, Baylor's just, they're not impressing me. You know, they're really not. And they and they don't come out of the gates firing ever anymore. Uh, I think I used the term uninspired first half performance. Uh, but the second half, they kind of take control of the game in that sub 10 minute mark. And, you know, they, they don't blow them out, but they don't really look back. They keep BYU at arm's length the rest of the way in the most important minutes of the game. And that is what good basketball teams do. And it, and sometimes, and I'm a victim of this, where I, I, I think, boy, Baylor's just not playing great. You know, they're not pulling away from these guys. And it's because I really do have high hopes for this Baylor team. And then I forget sometimes the opponent on the other side. Saturday was not a great opponent, as we saw with Oklahoma State's performance against Tech last night. Uh, but, you know, it was a Big 12 road game, and those aren't ever easy. And then last night to the Baylor game, I'm thinking, let's consider the opponent here. I mean, BYU was 12-2 and two going into that game last night. They did have the number six scoring offense in America. And you keep them at 72 with, a, a, I mean, basically 70 with a with a bucket and garbage time. Uh, like, that's, that's not bad. And I thought overall, Baylor defended pretty well. Um, uh, Jaden Nunn was terrific again defensively and did hit some big shots. Um, didn't you know, isn't ever going to shoot 60, 70, 80% from the floor, uh, but hit some big shots. Now, if we're talking about individual performances, the the man that kind of starts and ends it for Baylor is Jalen Bridges. And boy, I think 
we have all been waiting for a game like this from Jalen Bridges. And he's played fairly well. I mean, nothing bad uh, at all this season. I don't think he's ever had like a real stinker and it's hurt them. But this was what we have wanted. 25 points, leads all scores, 7 of 14 from the floor, 3 of 6 from 3 in 36 minutes. He also grabs 5 rebounds, dishes out a couple of assists. Um, and he got the big buckets, man. When when they needed him, he was taking advantage of mismatches, mismatches, tough twos amongst the trees, you know, some real tough layups. Like, he showed grit with the flair tonight, uh, last night, which is what really impressed me. I mean, he just, he played like a senior. He played like a leader on this team, like we've heard, and, uh, you know, no surprise that he is a leader on this team, but now we saw it out on the court because he was a guy who was had a stinky Saturday and a lot of the guys did, but he really kind of took the team by its bootstraps when things were not going great. I mean, they were switching off that lead between Baylor and BYU, even up through the first couple me- <coughs> excuse me, media timeouts of the second half. And one other guy I was really impressed with again is Jacoby Walter. I, I tweeted it during the game, but they are a different offensive team when he is really on. And he was on last night in terms of much like Jalen Bridges in his game was identifying mismatches, identifying times where he needs to say, this is, this is me. This is my possession. This is my guy to go against. This is my shot. Whatever it is, he is selectively selfish, I guess is the good way to put it. He knows when it's when it's his time to tote the rock. And sometimes there are some guys in this Baylor team that don't know that. And I've mentioned that with, with a Jaden Nunn or a Ray J. Dennis where you're like, I just wish they wouldn't shoot or think shot the whole time they had the ball. When Jacoby Walter thinks that, it's a good thing because he has such a great basketball IQ and he has a play. So he has a big first half. And I think his only basket of the second half was like five minutes left, this huge and one. I think it was an offensive rebound that he puts on the floor, gets to the basket, draws the foul. The place is going bananas. I'm going to talk about the the environment that the foster fostered a little bit later in the show, but it was it was incredible. And so, you know, you're used to seeing a Ray J. Dennis and an Eve Meesey at the top of the scoring charts for Baylor. That was not the case last night. Ray J has a good game, uh, you know, four assists with 10 points, four of 11 from the floor, not, nothing huge. Um, I would love to see more games like that from him where he is efficient and he is getting the ball to scores, making the right decisions, and he doesn't need to lead the sco- team in scoring. And the other guy who's up at the top of that is Eve Meesey, typically. He has the worst game of his college career. No points, 0 of 2 from the floor, one rebound, three fouls in 24 minutes. Is out there getting cardio. That's going to happen. That is okay. That is so okay. He was due for a game like that. You know, he, he does not have many. Jacoby Walter had had one against Michigan State. Eve Meese's got one against BYU. It's up to these other guys to pick, pick these guys up. And you see it with Jalen Bridges, 25. You see it with Jacoby Walter, 16. You see it with Langston Love, 15 off the bench again. 
Again, double-digit scoring off the bench. Boy, is he on a heater right now. Three of four from three last night in playing 30 minutes off the bench. And Jaden Nunn, who I said, you know, is a great game defensively, and that's true, but he hit some big shots for you. 11 for him off, off the bench, or excuse me, 11 of them in those 28 minutes that he has as the starting uh, position, we were debating whether he should come off the bench or not. 11 points, four rebounds, three assists. I'll take that from him any night on four of nine shooting rather than four of 12 or four of 13 shooting. Apologies for the awkward interjection, but uh, my Wi-Fi apparently cut out when I was recording that part of the podcast. Uh, it doesn't like when I switch screens. So it just says I don't have any Wi-Fi, no internet connection. I couldn't possibly have more Wi-Fi than I do. So apologize for that. Basically what I was saying, though, Jaden Nutton, uh, much better game, much better decision-making, um, didn't mind having the ball in his hands a lot. Last night, he he has a good game. Uh, like I said, Love is a great one off the bench with 15. Jalen Bridges, of course, the, the big night with 25, and Jacoby Walter um, with 16 as well has a, has a nice, efficient night. So when those guys are going, man, and they're winning the turnover battle like they did. This team is is going to be really, really tough to beat. And I thought those guys were enough to beat BYU last night. BYU's coach thinks there were three other guys who, well, two guys and a girl, uh, who were not wearing either team's uniform. Um, that might have had something to do with the outcome of the game. I think we can agree on one part of it, but I think Mark Pope takes us a little bit too far. Let's hear what he had to say after this quick message. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Now, we're at the start of the new year. Every small business owner is asking themselves the same question, right? What's that one move I can make that's going to take my business to the next level this year? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. And that's why they've created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't like all those other job boards, okay? They've, they've got a big network, more than 1 billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And it's easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. They also know that small businesses are wearing many hats might not have the time or the resources. So that's why with LinkedIn, it's intuitive, it's quick, it's easy. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So into the officiating. A little bit here. Um, Mark Pope got a technical foul late in this game for slamming a drink on our brand new scores table. Come on, Mark. Come on. 
He spent a lot of money on that. And he was upset with the officiating. And in the post-game presser, he said uh, something along the lines of, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you what I really feel about the officiating, but I'm not going to do that. Implying that he didn't really like it. And this is interesting because this came after a BYU media member sat right next to me in the press conference before anyone had come in in terms of coaches and said, boy, welcome to the Big 12. That was some home cooking. I'm thinking, what the hell is this guy talking about? I just watched that game. If anything, the officiating was bad in favor of BYU. Look at the numbers, okay? Baylor did shoot twice as many free throws as BYU did. But just off the eye test, for those of us that were watching the game, I don't think it favored either team. And if anything, maybe this was just my Baylor glasses from the media section. If anything, it was favoring BYU a little bit and letting them play on in some possessions. But I, I will say, to defend Mark Pope, I didn't love the officiating either. Um, I, I was just confused as to whether, and it was kind of the same thing from Saturday, which I hope this isn't a trend, but I couldn't tell if they wanted to officiate this like a Big 12 game or not. If they were going to be like, well, this is the Big 12, it's the most physical league in the conference or in the in the country. Let's let the boys play a little bit. Or what the consistency was on these hand check fouls and this 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 tough play down low. I mean, there was even some just some crazy ones that I was like, how did they miss that? You know, there was one where Langston Love gets open for a three in the corner and a guy flies by him and just hits him in the head. You know, not nothing to knock his block off, but like hits him in the head. And it was right, right in my purview. And I was like, okay, no whistle on that one. Um, there was a couple where Jacoby Walter was upset. He was having his jersey just tugged. I thought I was going to get tugged right off. And a couple of plays with these loose balls that I'm like, are they letting them play? Because on the third contact, they would call a foul. So I'm like, that was weird. Like we just saw the same hit three times, but on the third time it's a foul. It it was just, it was bizarre. It, it was not, not a terrifically officiated game, but again, maybe it's my Baylor glasses. I, I really don't think it favored Baylor at all. In fact, there were times in the game where I was watching in the arena and thinking this is screwing Baylor. Baylor needs to get to the free throw line here. But yes, they do shoot twice as many free throws as BYU does. Now, I will say this. BYU is a high-volume three-point shooting team. They shot 24, but you would also say Cam, so is Baylor. They shot 23. So why do they get to the line twice as much? Well, I would tell you um, it wasn't much of an inside presence for BYU. This is actually something very similar to what we saw last year in general with Baylor. They would go on these long scoring droughts because they were a three-point shooting team and they didn't have anything in the way of a threat inside. So guys weren't getting hacked in the paint and going to the free throw line to, to try and stop these scoreless droughts. BYU is a three-point shooting team and not much else. In fact, I looked before the game, this is nationally, three-point percentage. Baylor was still first in the nation. BYU was 44th. So not bad for a team that's just cracking into the rankings, just filing into this philosophy of 
of more threes than twos, but way down there in terms of the percentage. Now you look at attempts per game. Baylor, or excuse me, BYU leads the nation in three-point attempts per game. So they lead the nation in attempts, 44th in three-point percentage. Baylor, on the other hand, leads the nation in three-point percentage, but in attempts per game, they are, and this stunned me, 212th in how many threes they take. That's how good they are from beyond the arc. And it was it was better today uh, than it was on Saturday, 43%, which is about what they shoot on the season. They go, uh, what was it, 10 to 23. So a lot better than whatever it was, 2 of 16, I think, on Saturday. So maybe that is something to point to, Coach Pope, and looking at why didn't we get to the free throw line enough. That, that might be why. Now, I will say, uh, Pope was very complimentary of Baylor in, in the rest of uh, his analysis on the game. Um, said, you know, that that's what happens against good teams. They get hot and, you know, they get into their offense. We didn't get into our offense all that much, and it favors Baylor. And by the way, the turnover battle, that's been something that has been up and down this season. And when Baylor has not been good, it's it's been bad. That that's That's been the big thing, the turnover battle. How about 14 to five last night? They force 14, which is good. That's fine. But to only surrender the ball five times against a ranked team that played some pretty good defense at times last night, uh, that is tremendous. Tremendous. And I asked Coach Drew about this after the game, and he was saying, you know, a lot of it is just these guys getting reps with each other. You know, Ray J. Dennis and Jaden Nunn, uh, you know, those primary ball handlers, getting reps with these guys and practice reps and game reps are way different. And I, you know, I don't want to use that excuse in the middle of January that they haven't played enough together. And thankfully we are on the course that we don't have to do that because that seems to at least have figured itself out. Of course, there's going to be games where they're throwing the ball all over the place, but uh, they have seemed to turn a bit of a corner on that uh, BYU for as much as they don't have too much of an inside presence, they could, their, their guards could get to the bucket. They outscored Baylor by 12 in the paint. They outscored them by seven on the bench, but it's plus 15 in the second half for Baylor after that uh, crazy sequence at the end of the first half where Jacoby Walter gets this technical foul. That I still don't know why. I, I I didn't get any explanation on that. No one really that I was around saw what, what happened for him to get that, but he hits a big shot and then gets a technical and BYU maxes that out. They get five points, and then they get the three-point play right before half, and all of a sudden you're like, well, shell-shocked. Like, what happened? What happened to Baylor? Uh, in, in that sequence, they're down six going into the half, plus 15 in the second half, 48 points in the second half. That That is the offense we were promised, and against a good team, they were just making more shots than BYU did down the stretch and when when they absolutely needed to to keep pushing they would and obviously Mark Pope helped us out a little bit with a minute left there was already a foul and then there was the technical foul on him for slamming that water bottle down and yelling at the refs who 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 could have guessed it BYU losing their heads and disrespecting officials huh. struck me as odd um but that puts the game away Baylor hits four free throws gets the ball and just kind of 
puts the thing to bed. So officials, not great. Coach Pope, I'll agree with you on that. It was it was not great. It was not a glittering example of what this league could and should be. Um, but I would say that was far from the only problem for BYU. One of the problems that BYU had, which will certainly not be a problem for Baylor going forward, is the Foster Pavilion. Oh, that place was on it last night. It was awesome. But first, I got to tell you about America's number one sports book and today's other sponsor, and that would be FanDuel. The NFL's regular season, it's done. It's Fugazi. It's gone. We're into the playoffs, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. That is America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets win or lose. The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet. They've got live same game parlays. They've got a parlay hub. You can do uh, spreads, over-unders, prop bets, all that great stuff. Uh, it's so easy. Even I can win money off it, which means it's really easy. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make that first bet a layup. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and America's number one sports book. So Jalen Bridges has a great game. Langston Love has a great game. Jacoby Walter has a pretty darn good game. But I'm going to give you the MVP of Baylor's victory over BYU. And that was the Foster Pavilion. That place was electric last night. Electric. I think... The first game, we were all just ooh and ah and dazzled by this great new arena. And everyone's, you know, taking pictures, taking videos, myself included. But last night was the first time it was like, okay, we know what this place is. But we've got a big game, ranked opponent. BYU's got some fans there too. Let's make this a cauldron rather than a shiny new arena. And they did that. Oh my Lord, did they do that? The fans all in all completely brought it, especially the students. They were fantastic. And we don't even have class don't even start till next week. We don't even have them all back yet. Oh, this place is going to be an absolute cauldron in this big 12 schedule. Uh, Jalen Bridges told Scott true after the game, he said, this place is way louder than the feral. And he is right, man. It, it was the Farrell at its best was still a reactive crowd. This was the first time I was at a Baylor game and it felt like a proactive crowd. Uh, the place was getting loud on defense. And when Baylor makes a play on defense, that place goes bananas. Like it, it's like goosebumps to watch. It's bigger. It, it gets louder than any big shot. <clears throat> when they force a turnover, force a shot clock violation, get a steal, the, the, the hustle plays even, that place goes nuts, and it is to the point where the players have to be feeding off of that. They have to. Jalen Bridges also said after the game he was two seats over from Jaden Nunn when he said this, so I don't know, seven or eight feet. He goes, there were times in the game where we were making runs, and we were this far away from each other, like we are right now, this seven or eight feet, and we couldn't hear each other. 
it was he just said it was it was night and day it was a completely different atmosphere than what they're used to and how he also went on to say how important that's going to be for Baylor going forward Th- this for the first time for me in a Baylor at a Baylor basketball game felt like this is a home court advantage this is what this is what it feels like you know when when your team is just playing great defense and you know hustling and the place is going nuts like you hit the game winning three that that's where the players start to feed off it and there were times i couldn't even hear myself thinking there i mean some of the runs they went on first half second half uh defensive end offensive end it was just crazy and and bridges hits a three late in the second half that is as loud as i have ever as i ever heard the feral center and there were some times the Farrell Center got really, really loud, but this just felt different. And at some point, I'm going to stop dedicating segments to how much I love the Foster Pavilion. Today is not that day. Because this, this felt like the turning of the page. You know, last week against Cornell, include from the men's side, I should say. Obviously, it was a great atmosphere against TCU for the ladies. But last week against Cornell, it was, again, the ooh, uh, Looks great. Flashbulbs, all that. Who's going to get the first basket? Blah, 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 yada, yada. Now it is, okay, this is our home, and we are going to protect it at all costs. Like, I, I saw, actually, I'll, I'll quote my pal Cyclone Larry, who was coming off a big win last night on Twitter. He said, Baylor basketball with an actual home court advantage is a scary thing. And it is up to us to keep that up because that was something that teams could at least hang their hat on the last few years as Baylor turned to this elite status. They were like, <clears throat> Baylor's really good, but at least you know going there isn't unwinnable the way Kansas is, the way Iowa State is when they're at their best, or, or name your arena. It might be that way now. <laughs> might be that way now. Uh, you know, it's one game, but... That place was as good a college basketball venue as I've been in, and I haven't been to some of the very best, but it it was fantastic. And it feels like, you know, whether the crowd is really getting into it or not, it feels like a big game. You know, it feels like all the great things of an NBA atmosphere. You know, it feels big time. And then you couple in into how loud that place can get. It's a dangerous combination. It's a dangerous combination. Bad referee calls, steals, put-back dunks, threes. They'll go nuts for anything. And that's a scary proposition for other teams. When that place gets going, and this was on a weeknight. This this was an 8 o'clock tip on a, on a Tuesday without all the students on campus, which was the downfall of Baylor Atmospheres for years and years and years. And... We're just getting a taste of it. Saturday, they're playing who? Cincinnati. But it's going to be a night game, and the students are going to be back, you'd think. They start class that Tuesday, I guess. Monday's Martin Luther King Day. Uh, it's going to be incredible. I mean, just think of what these weekend games are going to be. Oh, good luck, everybody else. Get us at your home barn, okay? Because that might be the only real shot you've got at these Baylor Bears. Coming into the Foster Pavilion and winning is going to be a very, very, 
very difficult thing to do. And I'm here for it. Were you there last night? Tell me what you thought about the atmosphere. Tell me how it came out on TV. Let me know what you think about this Baylor team. Are you being too hard on them? Was I being too hard on them? This was a good win, in my opinion. Let me know what you think about the performance. We'll break down a little bit more about this team going forward and on the weekend schedule. We've also got to catch you up on what football players that you know actually visited over the weekend signed and what we could expect from them and how this team is starting to take shape especially on the offensive end with Jake Spavadol. Anyway, be sure to leave a comment down below. Any comment helps. Be sure to like and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. And be sure to continue to make it your first listen today and every day. I'm your host, Cam Stewart. We'll be back tomorrow with more Locked On Baylor.